Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Oh, 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 whoa! That one fell off the rails. What's going on, everybody? That was the worst CP impression yet. <laughs> I'm David Bray. It is episode what episode is it? 788 of FRL. We got John Kozak here in the studio. We're about to cap off a complete week. The the, the trio mm-hmm. of the me, John Kozak, and a teamer Ben Askren. We might He's, just be the new team. We might just say, "You guys, sorry, you got you got schooled." That's right. You put in the backups. They. You know, they kill it. Yeah. They're starters now. Tom Brady situation. Leave yeah. Yeah. Could be a Tom Brady situation. And, uh, man, speaking of legends who retire and then unretire and then maybe they are retired, Gable Stevenson, the news is out. He put it on his Instagram story and then he took it off his Instagram story. Um, oh. to do that. He said, after much thought, I've decided to decline the final X spot. Keep my seat warm for me. I'll be back to take over the world once again. See you when that time comes. So how long we got to keep this seat warm? What's going on? Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I thought I actually was probably, after a few things I'd heard recently, I, I was leaning towards that he was going to accept just kind of in the last minute for, for the sake of drama because it adds to it. Um, so I was actually kind of surprised when he did not accept the spot. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to just wait 2023. Yeah, when I, I mean, when I was thinking about it last night before or yesterday afternoon before we found out, my thought was like, he's gonna he's gonna make his WWE money anyway. So like anything, it's not like compared to that, it's not like wrestling money is gonna be huge for him. But it's in it's on top of it's in addition yeah. to whatever he would make, and he's the guy that's in the position to to probably win the world for sure the spot and potentially the world championships we haven't seen that zari match but you know i was like well i don't know why not if you're as you're building your 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 fans as you're building your brand in the wwe why not um so i don't know i wanted to see it happen yeah. i was making i was rationalizing yeah. it in my head maybe, maybe uh you know maybe obviously it was a case of uh not understanding expectations in, in meaning like the wwe said 
you know, had maybe they hadn't clearly gone over with him how much they wanted to use him or how much they wanted to practice with him. Or, you know, I know obviously I visited the performance center in well October of 2020, and especially in those guys early days in the WWE, like they're expected to be there a lot, whether they're working on like their promos or they're working on their in-ring stuff. Like they're expected to be there on a very regular basis. Once they get a little older, they have a lot more freedom. So maybe it's one of those things where he wasn't, you know, he didn't know what the expectation was going to be. I- I'm just guessing, right? Because we've kind of, we've seen kind of a back and forth over the last month and a half. And so maybe it was, hey, they expect him to, hey, go finish your college season and then come over here and then we'll get to work. And, you know, he thought it was only be a little bit and it'd be a lot, something like that, maybe. Yeah. I wondered about that too, just because right now, we, I mean, we don't, he's not in front of the camera all that often. And I don't know how, how time intensive the work that he's doing is. And if he's, yeah. if he's still finishing up his semester, then, um, you know, why not extend yeah. it a little while, but it's not going to happen. I mean, those guys, the guys in the, that were trying to, so at that, the performance center at the, they call it next, right. They were, um, the guys who were like the newbies, right. That were just trying to make it like they were doing long days, right. They were training in ring every day. Then they would obviously do like a strength conditioning workout type stuff. They would work on their promos. There's all kinds of stuff that they would do. I mean, I don't know if Jacob Casper, he, he was there. He was literally, when I was there, it was like his first week where he was like moving in, you know? So he would probably be able to give us a lot better understanding of what it's like. I, I don't even know if they're allowed to talk about it or not. No idea. Um, but yeah, they, 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 it was time intensive for a lot of those guys. I don't know if that'll be the case for Cable. Yeah. I I wonder how much work they do on their on their promos and, and like, what does that look like? Does it look like... like- drama class or like what is it what's the uh, format well the, in the one they had they so on one of them they were like doing like so they were said they would say for the older guys like the the real the guys have been there forever like they would they would essentially for a match they would say like hey do this 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 right they like five things like let's hit these things you know and then the, and then they could improvise with each other because they've been doing it so long but with the new guys they actually like drilled all the moves like this and this and this and this, you know, and like they were drilling it back and forth and they practiced it a bit. No, do it again. No, do it again. No, do it again. You know, like get it right. Yeah. Um, and then obviously same thing kind of with the promos is like they would, they would cut a promo and then they would get feedback from, uh, you know, one of the coaches, Hey, no, here's what you did well. Here's what you did poorly. You know, kind of like practicing anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's very interesting. That- yeah. That seems like an area too where Gable's going to get a lot better, probably. I will. I mean, he's already done a good job of like stringing, not stringing us along, but like keeping the conversation uh-huh. around Gable yeah. Stevenson for another month, two months, and I feel like that's what he's going to do. Even just because he knows he has the wrestling community, and like we want him to be involved, we want him to wrestle, and so it's good. I mean, it's good on him to promote himself and to kind of keep us interested yeah. in talking about him, but. It sounds like he's really interested, so I would I would wonder if you know it's it's twenty four like Olympics mm-hmm. is the thing that he yeah. would really bring him back, um, and I could see even WWE like saying like yeah let's let's do that let's have let's have a current wrestler win the Olympics um, yeah that, that could be yeah I mean that would be that'd be very huge for them for sure I think uh, Kurt- and I know they got they obviously had that with Brock where Brock kind of went back and forth from real you know fighting mixed martial yeah. arts to wwe and then kind of uh, i i think during his ufc time he would even make appearances here and there and then you know obviously went back and then told us the idea of coming back to wwe mm-hmm. or sorry back to mma it just kind of was like like in the middle there for a long time 
you know, you got to imagine Gable's had conversations with Brock. I think, I think in 2012, um, in 2012, didn't, didn't somebody, didn't somebody come back, uh, or at least, at least, um, talk about coming back for the Olympic trials? Uh, who, who, um, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, I think, talked about. Oh my God, he did, and it was so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and so and so, like even then, it's you know the idea of coming back can be maybe some yeah. some form of promotion. Did he even did he even wrestle? Is that, at that time, he was like in his mid forties, I think. Mm -hmm. Right? Wasn't it? Was it twenty? Yes, I, I didn't remember that until you said that. But yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he did. 20... He did. He for sure did. 2012, like the stars were coming out because Cejudo came back. Mm -hmm. He hadn't wrestled in forever. Um, Kurt yep. Angle, I don't even know if he actually wrestled, but he, up until like right before, he said he was going to. And then, and then the other one was Rulon Gardner, who, who was nowhere near making weight, but he was he was like in the in the venue and stuff. And so you could tell that he never actually intended on wrestling because he was supposed yep. to wrestle. And then and then like the day before the Olympic trials. He made an announcement that he wasn't going to wrestle, and then like an hour later, he made an announcement that he was on the broadcast team. Which they don't they don't tend to throw people on the broadcast team one hour, um, you know, after they pull out of the tournament. So I think that was <laughs> But anyway, uh, we'll, maybe we'll see him in twenty twenty four. Let's get yeah. you in there. Yeah, maybe we'll see him in twenty twenty four, but we'll probably at least have to speculate about whether or not he'll be in in twenty twenty four. So I just I just wish you would say he's in or not. But I guess you know it's probably it, it, it probably. Gets us talking about it more if, if we don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, international news. Down in Acapulco. We knew this place was dangerous before JD what went there. JD set this up? JD probably set this up. He could have set this up. We got we got, yeah. we got got people absconding everywhere out there in mm -hmm. Acapulco. It's Ishmael Barrero, the two-time Olympic gold medalist for Cuba. He's he's on the run. He's he's fled the Cuban team Um for, for probably pretty obvious reasons. Uh, not a great place <laughs> to call home. Um, but Ismael Barrero went to Pan Ams for, for, for this, you know, went to Mexico for Pan Ams, and now he's just, who knows what he's doing in Acapulco. Um, BBC's covering it. This is global news. Yeah, I mean, guys, how many freaking Cubans have defected now? It feels like it feels like the rate's even picking up and they're doing younger because obviously we have younger Bastida, we had Echemendia. Uh, Yol Romero is an old one. Alexis Rodriguez, I believe, is in Italy somewhere. Chimizo is in Italy. Um, it just seems like it, it's happening more and more. Obviously, the communist Cuba is not a nice place to live, um, and they're all leaving. If your if your Olympic champions are leaving, and they they're probably the ones in, in a dictatorship like that, they're probably the ones who are being treated the the best. Man, it's got to be not good down there. Yeah, it's it's happened. I think you know, like you mentioned, consistently for a number of years, athletes have left. But according to this BBC article, it's it's picking up. It's like getting worse. More and more athletes are are defecting. High level mm -hmm. athletes um, talked about a couple sailors. And if you're look, if you're a sailor, you're you're very well equipped to flee. You just, <laughs> I mean, you just hop you know, on just the need a boat. They, they would just ban that sport. Yeah, what do you guys the sailors could be like, hop on the boat. We'll take you. You're a you're a boxer. You're a track and field. Get on the boat. Let's like, go. Why do you have so, why do you have so many people on the boat? Oh, don't worry. It's just sailing, sailing practice. Yeah. Sailing practice. Um, a long jumper. He's out. Uh, but yeah. So but more and more high level Cuban athletes are fleeing. So not great. Not Ooh, great Alexis Villa. Remember him? He and then he ended up. He uh, didn't he run a van into an airport or something? <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't remember. Right? That sounds, he yes, he he defected and then I'm going to look it up. He defected 
he was coaching at Michigan State. And then I believe he ended up fighting after that. I think he maybe fought Joe Warren or something like that, I feel really? like. Really? Okay. Yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah. In 2004, Via accidentally crashed his car into that Fort Lauderdale Hollywood airport. No one was hurt. Authorities yeah. mistakenly believed it to be ter- terrorism, but uh, he just <laughs> he just messed up. <laughs> He's just goofing. Oh, man. <laughs> but no, oh, man. Oh, man. We got to send him back to Cuba. What he was do? arrested for charges, including second-degree murder. Oh, whoops. That's yeah. that's uh, probably not an accident. Not ideal. We should have known at the uh, car crash into the airport. Um, yeah, but the the interesting thing when you look at Pan Am's, you know, which we'll probably transition and talk about just a little bit, but Cuba is like way down. Like they've been riding, they've been riding. They're, they're like proud. they're all they're, leaving. They're, yeah, exactly. But they've they've been wrestling their same group of like good guys for the past what feels like ten years. Yeah, um, almost. Um, and then now you see this this year at Pan Am's. I think they've only entered into the Olympic weights, and it's like it's guys that are probably second or third tier, maybe, um, and probably will never like medal at worlds, um, anything like that. Maybe like their fifty seven guy is decent, but after that, it's it's kind of rough going for them. It's and and at first it was like oh they maybe they got their young guys coming in but these guys are like 28 29 years old um, mm, so they're just guys that have been around for a bit um, yeah that sucks because like at Pan Am's obviously um Cuba has long been the only like super competitive country uh, with the United States mm-hmm. and with them kind of uh you know falling off or a little bit um makes pan i don't want to say worthless but it makes pan ams like who, who are we competing with canada sucks puerto rico's getting better because they're getting a few more athletes maybe mexico's gonna get better if they if they start recruiting some uh some arizonans or something like they got one they got one valencia brother maybe get the other steal the other one too then maybe it's more competitive other than that pan ams is gonna be easy peasy yeah and i mean you mentioned that that cuba is only sending people at the olympic weights mm-hmm. and that they're not metal threats and and typically it seems like what we're seeing from um from cuba is like if they're not if they're not really getting medals if they're not metal threats it's less yeah. likely they're going to send teams i mean they've there yeah. a lot of times where they don't send a yeah. few, very many guys and so that's a bad sign for cuban wrestling i think is because if, if they do send this team it's not likely to medal at worlds and they or well i mean at panias but if they send a team that's similar to worlds and they don't medal then it's like are they even going to bother to send them in, in the future mm-hmm. um yeah, they might actually be stronger at Greco now, Cuba, um, in comparison to their their freestyle squad. Um, not anymore. They, well, they yeah. lost their two-time Olympic gold medals. Yeah, yeah, not anymore. But yeah, it's funny. Like even look at that, at Puerto Rico's team. Fifty-seven, you got Darian Cruz. Sixty-one, you got Joey Silva. Sixty-five, you got Sebastian Rivera. Nice. Uh, Seventy-four, Franklin Gomez, and then I think Ethan Ramos is in there too. Um, so yeah, it's like all guys with american american ties yeah, bro so. i just looked at, i'm looking up cuban defection they had a team in october of 2021 so like last fall in baseball nine people from the team defected what where whole, yeah Does uh it, it, was in, it was in mexico i don't know if it was in acapulco but it was in mexico nine of them defected wow that yeah. is that's wild um hold on there's actually a all the baseball players who've uh, defected from Cuba. Wow, dude, bro, bro, this list is like hundreds of people. 
<laughs> a lot of Holy people. Holy crap. I mean, hopefully hopefully JD can bring us back a new co-host next week and we can hear from Ishmael Brero himself. That'd be that'd be great. I don't know if there's a Kozak thought maybe JD could try to adopt him or maybe there's like a <laughs> there you go. some kind of I don't know. There's gotta be a way. You guys could do a full wrestling Greco team. Yeah, why not? There you go. Someone needs to support Greco in America, might as well be you guys. Okay. Well, we will we will welcome Ishmael Brero with open arms, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. but that's that's pretty wild. D- didn't expect to see Pan Ams on uh like BBC News. So there you yeah. go. Uh, but it is, uh, if you look up Cuban baseball players, it's, it's it's in the hundreds for sure. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's actually you know there's money there's money a lot of times in in baseball players, and um, I remember this, this there was a story you know that guy Yasiel Puig that guy that like mm-hmm. licks licks the bat and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, he was really good, right? I don't know, I don't I remember the name. Vaguely. Yeah, yeah, I remember a, there there were stories about like him getting defected, and and there will be like baseball scouts or whatever that that help them defect. But a lot of times they have to know that there's a contract in place for them before they'll defect. But the problem for these major league teams is they don't get a chance to like watch them play Mm, or try them out. So they have to take somebody's word for it. They're like, so they're hearing these stories about Yasiel Puig, like he's whatever, six, three, six, four, you know, 250 pounds, like just this monster. He can hit, he can do all this stuff. And they're, they're like, man, we hope that's true. And they gave him, I can't remember what the contract was. I'm sure we could find it, but, a pretty decent contract, sight unseen, having never watched him play or or shaken his hand or anything, and then yeah, somebody basically helped him escape and got out of there. And uh, but he was really good, right? Or no? He ended up being really good, but you could get burned on a deal like that if you're like, no, yeah, I, I promise, sure. this guy's this guy's outstanding, and then he shows up and it's not true. But it was in his case. Yeah. Um, so, so they this goes far. I didn't realize this. This is goes really far back. 1994. Three Cubans defected. One of them was Jesus Wilson, which I believe he gained citizenship and competed in maybe the 2000 Olympic trials, maybe. And I think he was up Iowa or something, something to that effect. Then okay. Lazaro Reynoso and then another guy I'd never heard of um, defected. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, I, I would imagine Ismael Barrero has, does, not have a, does not have a college degree. So hmm. maybe he shows up yeah. on one of these rosters. That'd be, that'd be wild. Iowa State. <laughs> yeah. Iowa State. Yeah, he may do that. So, have you, although, you know, being an Olympic, a, a Greco-Olympian, that doesn't even, you know, doesn't even mean you'll be varsity at Grandview sometimes. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Pan Ams do start today. It's not going to be super competitive, but there are a few matches. Kozak broke down some matches. That would be really fun to see. Um, what What'd you find, Kozak? Yeah, I think um, – I think it, it'll be good to see most of our number ones, right, at Pan Ams. Um, and we should – I think last year we came away with all 10 golds in men, men's freestyle, right? So we very well could do that again, looking through these brackets. Um, for for Gilman, uh, the Cuban Alexi Alvarez, they wrestled uh, two years ago or three years ago at the Oregon. And they had – Gilman won. It was uh, by Tech Fall. But it was it was a pretty competitive match, and it was real chippy. Actually, at one point, like the Cuban just flat out just smacked Gilman uh, in the face. So that was, that was fun. So if they if they wrestle again, that could be a fun match. Um, McKenna, Joy McKenna, and Sebastian Rivera, uh, they could wrestle. They I think I believe they'd have to meet in the finals. And then Dake, uh, his best match will be Franklin Gomez probably. Um, but I think the real 
I think that actually the, probably the, our best matches will be on the women's side of things. Um, Kayla Miracle has uh, Anna Godinez in her bracket, and they wrestled at uh, the bout, bout of the ballpark in like a really really competitive match. Mm-hmm. Um, Miracle got out to like a six to nothing lead, and then Godinez came back. Um, Jakara Winchester has a U23 world champ in her weight from Ecuador. Um, so that could be an interesting match. And then Dom Parrish, like I look at 53 kilograms for on the women's side of things, and it's like wide, is wide open. And there's a world medalist in her weight, um, Sam Stewart from Canada. Uh, and then Greco side of things, Giangelo Hancock, he's got a guy who's beaten him twice in the past, Mejia from Honduras, um, but it was like six years ago. And both both of those matches were Tech Falls. So uh, that would be a semifinal match for uh, Hancock. So it'll kind of be interesting to see. I think that'll show us how much he's really progressed if he's able to uh, to win that match against Mejia. So this guy that Giangelo's wrestling, is, his name is Kevin Mejia. You don't see a lot of Kevins in Honduras. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, the, I don't know the story behind that. Well, uh, get his, <laughs> I'll contact his parents, see if they got Facebook or something. I mean, hey, it's great. Um, so there will be some, some decent matches, but the U.S. team is – I mean, it's really loaded. Mm-hmm. I probably not. It, it's probably not a super tough sell to just like, hey, go to Acapulco and probably win a gold medal. Yeah. Um, so as yeah. a result, we have very loaded team, men's freestyle team. Thomas Gilman, that's a world champ. Dayton Fix, world silver medalist. Joey McKenna, Zane Rutherford, Kyle Dake, Jordan Burroughs, Zahid, Jaden Cox, Kyle Snyder, Nick Wisdowski. That's that's loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, women's team is is really good too. Sarah Hildebrandt, Don Parrish, Jakara Winchester, Helen Marulis, Zochi Modipedis, Kayla Miracle, Forrest Molinari, Alara Boyd, Skylar Grote, Diamond Guilford. So um, really good, really good teams. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then obviously Giangelo wrestling for our Greco team. He's a medalist as well. So that it'll be fun. It's it's a fun event, but it's it's a little bit like uh, like watching the old. The old Hawkeye showdown that used to that Iowa used to have, where like you just know you know you're watching because you're an Iowa fan and you want to see these these guys win a lot of matches. That's yeah. that's kind of what what Pan Am's is going to be, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun. Okay, so we got some NIL developments. Maybe there's some legislations potentially in the mix, and some things that that could could maybe attempt to put some some guardrails in place but other yeah, no rules that right now there, there are no rules wild. right now there are other there i are didn't other know things. about this guy you guys have in the dock this uh john ruiz not i don't think he's the boxer john ruiz he's going ham down there in miami though that's insane yeah the things that he's <laughs> up to are crazy um but but first i want to read this just this kind of okay Sorry, this paragraph i excited a- about john ruiz I know the guy's. Yeah, he's got a hundred athletes on payroll. <laughs> he's, he calls it a well-oiled machine that he's got going on down there. Yeah. Um, all right. So here, here's the par- we're going to read this paragraph. This comes from a Sports Illustrated article, uh, and they so it says several athletic administrators and college sports insiders discussed the transfer committee's concepts under the condition of anonymity. These are the the concepts they included: one, eliminating scholarship caps on sports that offer only partial scholarships. So Wrestling is one of those, 9.9 scholarships for rosters of mm-hmm. whatever, 30. Um, so yeah. just eliminating scholarship caps. You can give as many as you want. That's one of the proposals. Two, abolishing the limitation on the number of coaches per team. So just 
you can employ as many coaches as you want. That's nuts. Uh, expanding direct payments from schools to athletes. Reconfiguring the recruiting calendar. I don't know exactly what that reconfiguration would mean. And then implementing closed periods in the NCAA transfer portal. And I don't know the I think it, I think it would be specifics. Yeah, it would limit that transfer portal to uh, which it, it already is, um, but I think it would limit it even more to when you can enter um, and when coaches can reach out. Um, yeah, I don't understand the, the meaning of that. You guys got any ideas for me? The meaning of the of the like, um, why why it's limited to certain windows. I I don't know for sure either. I wonder if it has to do with like in season recruiting or yeah. you know mm-hmm. I, that could be could be part of it um it's maybe easier to regulate if there if there's a a date on it but uh i don't know i I don't know for sure but the 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 last sentence here is important it says at least the first three items so the scholarship thing the number of coaches Mm -hmm. and direct payment will be left in the decision-making hands of individual conferences if the concepts are approved i I did see that which was talking about this last week when i was at uh how it will be regulated conference by conference, and he he, uh, he thought that meant people want to do whatever the hell they wanted. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. So the the um the changes that they're proposing for the the portal is that it's only open two five week periods, so one after the fall semester ends and one after the spring uh, semester ends. So it just kind of like compacts it down and limits it so that I think probably so that guys can't enter like mid like mid-year, mid-semester. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is interesting to look at that portal and when it, when it picks up, cause there, there are like, there's this little, there's this little bump in the portal a week or two after, after school starts in the fall mm-hmm. freshmen, like all these guys that are like got there, they're like, yeah. Oh man, this is not what I expected. Um, so they're out. I mean, think about these, these changes. That is, man, that's, I, I, I've talked about that a lot of times, uh, is, Dude, the, the, I don't want to say the college recruiting process is flawed because they don't have a solution. The idea that a 17-year-old kid is going to go eight hours and know that that's where he wants to live. Yeah. Like, do you realize how flawed that – a freaking 17-year-old, we're going to trust his intuition on a 48-hour window? Yeah. Like, holy and- crap, it's probably because he hung out with some cool dudes or saw some hot chicks. I mean, that's like right there. Holy yeah. crap. It's a forty-eight hour window where you're, you're not you don't you don't have like a you know early morning workout you don't have a paper yeah. due you don't have to go to class like you just yeah go to the football game and hang out and have fun and and uh, it's, yeah it's pretty unrealistic um, if these things happen though I mean it's it, it seems like a, a sport like wrestling it's just it's going to make the gap between the haves and the have-nots extremely vast yeah. scholarship caps being. I mean, there there are a lot of programs right now that are that that don't have the nine point nine, and mm-hmm. that or that if they do, they've had to work super hard to make that happen. Um, John Mark Bentley talked about that when he was on the program that that he he's done a ton of work in fundraising, and now they're I think did he say finally getting up to nine point nine? Imagine if like mm-hmm. a bunch of these programs can yeah. expand that. I I mean, you, I yeah. can. You can imagine that, like the top few programs, they're going to find the money, and after that, it's it's going to be really hard for the rest to keep up. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to be I don't want to poo poo everything here, but I mean, part of me feels like 
the gap's already there. I mean, the have the haves and the have nots right now. It's like it's pretty large. I mean, the amount of teams that actually win NCAA titles is a really, really, really small number. Yeah, the gap between NCAA title teams and and non NCAA title yeah. teams is is really big. But right now there is I, I don't think there's quite as big a gap between teams that are fighting for third and fourth on the trophy. You know, yeah. for third and fourth place trophy, and then. Behind that, like teams that are fighting for the top ten, and it yeah. seems like that's where there could be a gap that would expand, and and um, and so yeah. a team that that is able to kind of move from thirty fifth to tenth over the course of three or four years of a of a new coach coming yeah. in, and that's a really cool thing. Uh, how is. how likely is that to happen if if they now are, comp- yeah. are you know at a, a huge disadvantage in terms of scholarships sure. and co- extra coaches and things like that? Yeah, so I, I think yeah, I think I mean I think you're right on the argument there is that just some of these not let's even take like the top couple out of it, but like that next tier of maybe n- not so good Big Ten teams, um, but that will be really well funded. So you know the argument would be that because they're more well funded, they're going to get more recruits, um, which that means those recruits are not then obviously going somewhere else, and they're going to win or do better than some of the less funded teams, not because they're better coaching or anything else, but simply because they have more resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I, I could see the argument there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you, it's like when you combine the scholarships opening up with also the NIL opportunities, it's like those, those two things combined gives people that are well-funded and have good resources, even more of an mm-hmm. advantage over maybe some of the smaller programs who don't have the same funding. So, yeah. The example from Miami, though, that's that's in here. This guy John Ruiz, you bring him up. <laughs> he's a legend. He's a lawyer, which I mean, he's got. Yeah, I think that's a competitive advantage for mm-hmm. him. Um, he's a lawyer in Miami, and according to the article, he, his payroll includes more than 100 hurricane athletes from a variety of sports. He he expects to spend 10 million dollars this year to have players from Florida like come <laughs> compete at uh, at at Miami. And mm-hmm. apparently he he tweeted like from his own personal Twitter account that that um, a former Kansas State uh, guard transfer was coming to Miami and he's got like a four hundred thousand um, dollar ain't nothing you could do about it four hundred oh he's a basketball player four hundred thousand dollar nil deal for mm-hmm. a year and he's like hey cool he's he's the one tweeting about it like this is this is yeah. completely the wild west. Yeah, well, this is yeah. so. Then this is another article from Sports Illustrated. So there's like these two, these two things going on at the same time. Um, and at, at first, I thought, oh man, these these are like opposing one another, but really they like exist apart from from each other. So there's like those one task force committee looking to open up like scholarships and coaches, and that like that conversation. But then there's this other like task force and NCAA committee that's trying to bring regulation on NIL um, and because like essentially when the NIL was passed they had very few guidelines and they're like all right just do whatever your school says and whatever your state says. Wasn't it because it happened so fast because I mean they were their hand was because the NCAA was so resistant to change it had to get changed through the courts right and the court Mm -hmm. case I was well Alston was one and so that was obviously that then opened the floodgates and everything had yeah. happened so quickly because the NCAA had refused to change for so long. Yeah, no, you're 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 100% right. But at the same time, the NCAA I think did anticipate like this happening, but they didn't anticipate it happening so fast. 
So they were planning like, okay, NIL is going to be a thing. Let's like make some guidelines around it and let's create a way that we can regulate it or at least it can be regulated. But then it was passed really quick. And so then they kind of dropped the guideline conversation and that they had actually been working on for a year or two. Um, that's kind of like what I've been reading about. But um, so now they're trying to like pick that conversation back up, which they're already a year behind. So essentially, like I think their first step is saying that NIL collectives or donors are going to be classified. They're going to be viewed as a branch of the athletic department and they are not you know, technically allowed to reach out to prospective student athletes or athletes that are in a transfer portal. That's what they're that's like the next guidelines that they're trying to get past based on what's happened over the last year. So the it is on like the NCAA's radar, but yeah. I think also with like within this conversation, because every state has their own set of guidelines and their own set of laws around it, there the NCAA is afraid of creating a guideline that will go against the state law, state law, and then they'll they'll be uh, they could be sued like like because of uh, yeah. all the money and the power around like the NIL people that they have like this endless amount of resources that then they could you know in fact sue the NCAA so like the NCAA is in this like weird position where they have to walk a line like okay we have to we feel like we have to do some guidelines but there's only so much we can do now. And, yes. and so it's kind of the Wild West. So really the only guidelines they're, they're looking at putting into place is like, all right, NIL people, boosters, they're not allowed to contact prospective student athletes or, or high school athletes. Whereas now in some states, like you can, you, like it's, it is legal for collectors or boosters to, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, the state by, so it, it just seems like this is, this is getting so hard to regulate and to keep track of because now they're you know if, if the idea is that conferences are going to be in some way involved in making the decisions mm -hmm. about what's what's above board and what's not and then the states are also right now they are they're involved in deciding what schools can do and what they can't um it's just it just seems like a, a situation where there is not any true governing body there's there's mm -hmm. no way to enforce anything even mm -hmm. if you do set these policies in place and uh it's you got to imagine it's going to take like mm -hmm. an outside organization to 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 get involved and and there's been speculation that that might be the irs yeah um well and so we we've we've been the irs of, they're yeah. always going to get theirs don't well, the worry IRS, about them they will get theirs guys yeah so that's the big thing like the irs is gonna they are going to regulate stuff right so they're gonna they're going to make sure they get paid what they're supposed to but anyways we've been operating you under guys the, remember your first bill from the irs yeah. and you think like oh damn i gotta yeah. pay yeah. this yeah. i remember i'm like oh god are you are you yeah. for real i gotta pay I, these dudes Come i remember on. thinking what this this much yeah um, <laughs> But no, we've been operating under the assumption like this whole time, hey, coaches can't talk about NIL stuff with their athletes. That's not true in some states. Like some states, it's, a, it's a completely illegal or it's completely legal for athletic departments and coaches to be in conversation with NIL collectives, with donors. They can, they, it's entirely legal in those states. They can't do it for, like pay for play but so like BYU is a perfect example of this. They have an assistant athletic director on their staff, on their payroll, whose entire job is surrounding NIL stuff. 
And he, he basically, like I listened to this interview with him, he brokered a deal with a local business, you know, that the owner went to BYU. And so they have 85 football scholarships uh, that they can offer. This business says, all right, we're going to give a scholarship to every walk-on uh, at, for BYU football. That's 100, so they have a 115-man roster. So they give 30 full scholarships uh, on top of their 85. And that was brokered Damn. That was brokered by the athletic department. And the NCAA looked into it, and basically all they did was send a letter like, hey, what, like, how did this happen? And he's like, yeah, we're not under investigation. Like, this is legal in, <laughs> in Utah. We can do this. So Dang. that's like kind of the, the craziness in all this is like other states uh, have have more strict uh, laws surrounding it. Yeah. And I mean, the, the fallout for wrestling is that wrestling is going to just have to react to these policies that are, that are being decided on for football and, and men's basketball and just kind of react accordingly and uh and there i I don't think it'll you know be the end of the sport or anything like that but it's just going to give the the programs with a lot of donor support way more options to to Mm -hmm. take advantage of for you know um distancing themselves and and so yeah it's like the whole conversation about rtcs and and does that give programs an unfair advantage of just the just the part about having more coaches on staff well I mean, yeah, it kind of does, but now they could just hire more coaches if that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And they could say, yeah. hey, I don't, we, don't, we don't need you competing anymore. Like, just be a coach. Like, just come here and train with our guys and be a coach. Um, that changes things. It's, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with this stuff. Very interesting. Um, I know one of the things Coach Smith was worried about um, was that I guess there's current rules on um, – how many sports that you have to have to be an NCAA Division One athletic program, hmm. and he was concerned that if they had, um, if if it was conference by conference, they'd be able to kind of choose their own things, you know. And obviously, they would be limited by Title Nine because that's a federal law. Yeah. Um, you know, so they could say, "Oh, we only want ten sports. <laughs> it's, it's football, basketball, and eight women's sports," you know, or something to that effect. But you know, per conference. Yeah. Hmm. What, what did uh, what else did he say? Were there any other insights from talking uh, with Coach Smith? That was one, and then I want to say the other one was something like um, if uh, you know if the scholarships are unlimited, and some program right now, you know, some athletic department right now might say, well, you know, hey, nine point nine, that's fine, and you know, we can keep up and we can finish top twenty every year or whatever, right? But you know, if it becomes or some programs are giving fifteen or twenty or whatever. And, you know, then like to your point, the 9.9 is less effective to get athletes. They might say, ah, it's, you know, I don't, we don't want to spend 20 scholarships on this sport. So we're going to be done with it. And I don't know if that's be wrestling or another sport, but hmm. obviously that would be negative for some sports or obviously they gave football way more right now that there's only so much money to go around. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the th- I mean, the, the thing that, that becomes really tough is like, let's say you are a program that can finish around the top 20 with your 9.9 and let's say the average rank of the recruit of a recruit on the big board that you pull in of, of a guy that's going to be a starter is let's say that average is like around a, a four, 40th or something like that on the big yeah. board. Um, if, if all of a sudden a bunch of programs have 15, it's like your 9.9. Now the average ranking of the guy that you're pulling in probably is a lot lower. And so 
you're spending mm-hmm. the same amount of institutional resources on what is going to be a worse team. And that just may not make sense for, for some of these programs. Um, yeah. Tyler was, Tyler was asking me in the office yesterday, like what, what, you know, what changes would, would we make? And I said, I don't know. What, what would you do? Kozak, would you take, make any changes here? For what? This NIL stuff. And, uh, and Oh, like regu- like yeah, guidelines, you, regulations yeah, you're the, and you're, stuff. You got the, the gavel or you're the judge. You're the judge. I don't know. I think, Honestly, I think you just open it up. Like, yeah. let's just open it up, make it make it to where, not like anything is legal, but it, if if you're gonna try to regulate it, it's just I think it was in this in one of these articles where it was like, you try to regulate it, and the people that follow the rules are the ones who are get burned. at a disadvantage. They get burned. Yeah. So in my opinion, I just say, hey, let's just open it. Let's just open it up. Maybe you make a salary yeah. cap or something like that, but. I mean, the ideal ideal for me, like I've been a big bang on the drums of pay the athletes. But for me, it's like the athletes ideally is like the athletes get paid what they're worth. Right. So if um, uh, right, Rudis wants to sponsor a company, Rudis will then expect to sell like they did Spencer Lee. Right. Yeah. That's a real deal. Like they're mm-hmm. expecting to sell shoes and merchandise and, and this stuff like this. And this was not like uh, a deal to get Spencer Lee to wrestle at some college for them, right? It was an actual NIL deal. Um, I am hugely in favor of that. But what it seems more than anything right now is that people are literally just using the NIL to get the athletes they want for the program that they want them at, which is like, but then again, you know, how do you regulate how do you regulate what a real deal is, right? Because like mm-hmm. this guy's got a John Ruiz, he's got a law firm. How do you or uh, I don't know, he's got a couple he's companies. Got a cigarette racing. How company. can I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cigarette. But how can I say that's not beneficial to his company? Like, how am I actually going to prove that? Am I going to go in and find yeah. his books and find you know what resources are tied to a specific athlete? And then obviously, I'm sure every company makes some bad sponsorship investments. So we're gonna mm-hmm. you know say, oh, that was a uh, you didn't really mean to make money off that. You just wanted to get happen what you wanted to happen. Like, you know, so it's like, yeah, I think it's almost impossible. I, I wish we could all operate under the um, under the guidance of what we wanted the rule to be, not not like just something else. This is so. All right, here's my idea. This is this is completely crazy. Uh-oh. Completely crazy. So like. The thing that the thing that is I mean, think about wrestling like the the thing that is, has the most value that can draw eyeballs to it is NCAA wrestling because people love these teams and these programs and and they they love the the sport right um, but they love what they really love is like the branding of the team so what if we just like did away with the whole idea of student athletes and just these universities could license their their team name and just create like a professional league love like it. no no eligibility requirements no whatever like jordan burroughs could still be wrestling for nebraska like that would be you know, awesome like it's just it's just, you just let the universities Who's license out me? the team name you know what i mean yeah somebody somebody could sign you and then i mean if you want you could do you could, each sport governs itself so like you you know you u17 u20 all of those yeah. could be could be like developmental branches of the Iowa Hawkeyes yeah. and Penn State Nittany Lions and whatever. And I think yeah. I think people would probably tune in more to those tournaments if they had, a, you know, a team component that was tied to it. But it, it, it is yeah. fascinating how much people get into like the college sporting thing, um, you know, and because in, so obviously basketball and football have 
real professional leagues, but in a lot of the other sports like wrestling, wrestling draws gigantic crowds for the college championships, for a lot of college duels, for conference tournaments. Like these are really big crowds. These are people who are really into it. And yet, like, you know, the Olympic trials and world trials are starting to get good crowds, but like the US Open's got a terrible crowd. Yeah. You know, not not good at all. Um, there's you I don't know if there's ever been like an RTC duel with even uh uh 500 people in the audience, you know? So it's like, yeah. why can this one thing draw this huge crowd? It's essentially the same sport, right? We're doing the same thing, but we can't draw huge crowds. And it, it, so it's, to me, it is so funny how the branding and, you know, architecture around college sports allow for such big audiences. And yet when you do the exact same sport without that same architecture, you can't draw anywhere close. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. I, I- yeah, it is. It's super weird. But I think I think universities would still benefit from having strong athletic, pre, a strong athletic presence, and you know, general yeah. students would still come there. And I don't know. Maybe there's a way for a student to to be part of the team. But I just just who cares? Just take away who the cares? Student Let's thing. make it pro. Who cares? Just make it completely pro. They don't have to go to school there. You can. I mean, that'd be, that'd be wild. At the end of the season, mm-hmm. instead of a transfer portal, you could make a trade you could do whatever like it it would be really interesting but then i don't know if any uh i mean how many are actually profitable not very many I, that's not that's very many true. i mean i don't know the ncaa chance so the wrestling is actually starting to get really good audiences on television so those contracts are worth something so if you split them up um right to like the ncaa's are do they dole out money to institutions based on uh the wrestling championships or it's probably just one contract for all of the championships correct hmm i don't know how that works that's a good question yeah. i don't know it'd be sure interesting how to see how it would all break down if we, it could pencil mm-hmm. you know even if um people are probably gonna kill me for saying this but even if it was only the nfl's 25 to 30 teams right if it was even 25 to 30 teams i know we have 75 or whatever right now yeah but even if it was only 25 to 30 like you could still have a really damn good league yeah um and be exciting and a lot of people can wrestle and maybe they I mean, then maybe what it becomes is like there are 20 25 or 30 in that league and then i mean there are tons sure, yeah. of tons of wrestling programs at the lower college levels and and d other d1 programs that maybe aren't in that league so maybe that maybe then there's still like a scholastic element where p- people are there to yeah. develop because they want to get whatever it is drafted or whatever i don't know um yeah, or just i mean or i mean obviously it's like at the division three level there's no scholarships right so just because they they want to participate in wrestling and they they love wrestling and they enjoy it so they want to continue doing it so yeah maybe you could have like a no scholarship no nil league because the division three kids they're not getting scholarship in nil yeah i don't know that's a very that's not a well-formed idea it's probably a terrible idea but uh i don't know i think we're, just, we're solving the world's problems here on this show it's like if you like yeah just license out the thing that has value and then take away the rest mm-hmm. i don't know Hey, are you guys, um, it is Cinco de Mayo. Are you guys having tacos delivered to the office? Not tacos, but, but we're having, what? we're having a, lunch, we're having a lunch, like, lunch celebration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cinco okay. de Mayo. I, I think I mean, maybe, there might be tacos. Maybe it is tacos. I think it's, I can't remember. I didn't read the email. Yeah. It's not, I, I can't <laughs> but yeah, we are. Uh, we're having a little, little Cinco de Mayo celebration. Are you, are you having, are you celebrating? I, well, I, I yeah, I, I need to go, uh, I need to go make some tacos. I made yeah. some Tuesday night. So taco, we had a taco Tuesday. That's good. Um, ben, yesterday you were you were saying uh, you looked at the world team trials, the 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 cadet team from 2016, and looked at like the the podium and not a ton of the guys on the podium placed. But Kozak broke down a while back the how well 
the the actual world team, the guys that make the team number tend to one do in college. Yeah, yeah, the number ones. And um, man, there was a pretty that was a pretty compelling team in 2016. It it's, it doesn't start off like incredible, but but get a load of this team. 2016 Cadet World Team. Kurt McHenry uh, started off. We know he hasn't cracked the lineup at Michigan yep. yet. Malik Heinzelman, he's had a, a solid college career. career. Aaron Cashman, um, not a ton there. But then RBY, Vito, Yanni, David Carr, Travis Whitlake, Jacob Warner, Gable Steepson. That's a that's those guys have gone on to do do pretty well. Yes, sir. So, yeah, the number ones obviously are, are yeah they, they did pretty well, but. Yeah, I mean, always when you look at the whole thing, it's uh, it's not as compelling. Yeah, so yeah, it's it, it's a anyway, good, hopefully a good sign. It seemed like last year mm-hmm. you you know you found that they're a pretty pretty good trend. Yeah, if you so I, I put an I threw an article link in the doc as well, um, and I did this last year was looking at the last ten years of cadet world teams and how they did at the NCAA level, and it seemed like the line of like NCAA success is really like meddling at cadet worlds. Um, yeah. There's There are like exceptions um, to that. But even if you look at, so if you look at the guys who meddled. These are all the, in this article, this is all of the medals? All of the medals. And then. Yeah, they all done pretty well. Yeah, huh? all the medalists. So they, they all did really good. And th- those are the guys who's all who have also um, attained uh, either all-american status or they won an ncaa oh, oh wait so the you, first one is is medalists who who've done well and the second one is essentially medalists then, who've not yeah but then well. but what's interesting though is you look at that second list so this wasn't updated <clears throat> obviously from this year so you have guys like uh Luan will Luan, gavin hoffman mm-hmm. even matt uh ramos he was like round of 12 um yeah. facundo uh, is he redshirted um so yeah, yeah, McGowan's still in high school. So like, really, you look at guys that medal at Cadet Worlds. Those are the guys who are pretty proven yeah. on the next level. There are there are exceptions: Mason Manville, Jared Verclearen, Owen Webster. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. And then there's guys too that if you keep scrolling down who who didn't medal and then they go on to have um, success as well. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah that's really. It's really good. So it's it's good. We talked we talked a lot this week about our cadet team, and I think those are people you're gonna want to pay attention to. Okay, uh, a little bit of senior senior level talk. We've got a last chance world team trials qualifier coming up. Is it next weekend? I think it's next weekend. Might be the weekend after. It's coming up. I think it's yeah. I think it's next next weekend. And uh, so, few guys that are not qualified yet. Um, Sam Latona at 61 kilos, but 70 kilos is a weight class with a whole bunch of really good guys not yet qualified. Not sure who's who's going to go to that last chance qualifier, but could potentially see a bracket that includes Yaya Thomas, if unless he's going 65 kilos. Um, Yaya Thomas, Ja'Cory Teamer, Ed Scott, Brock Mahler, Austin Gomez. That's a fun bracket. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seventy. Where, like, where did you pull these names from? Because uh, are you guys, you know, talking about people who've already just competed in freestyle regularly, or I mean, because obviously, you know, some of these lighter weights you could pull. Um, say, like, is RBY qualified, for example? Yeah, or, yeah he would be NCA. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, top three. Top, anyway, so, yeah. So any top three NCA, I guess, are not on this list, huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So these are the guys that have competed freestyle in the past, either made like a team or something. And just missed qualifying at NCAAs. So 
Jacory Teamer took it. what sixth. Um, Ed Scott, Brock Mahler, Austin Gomez took fourth, and then like Kirkfleet, he um, injury defaulted out of the third fourth place match, so he's not qualified. And he's a guy who I could mm. I could like see him. He might be the main competition for for Gwiz. Uh, he's not qualified yeah. yet. So that yeah that that's a big one. Kirkfleet, Wyatt Hendrickson at 125. Also, he's not qualified uh, let's yet. Let's go. Um, and yeah, U23 fifth in the world last year. Nate Jackson not qualified. IMR not qualified. Um, very curious if we'll see those guys. So I think of all of those names, Kirkfleet, like you said, he's the one that could make the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen it happen before. Thomas Gilman, JD's not here, but because he would be talking about uh, Daniel DeShazer, but um, mm-hmm. Thomas Gilman, right? He, he was in the last chance and then went, went and won a medal. So it'll be interesting to follow that. Um, Kozak made some brackets, potential brackets for the world team trials. He took a stab at seating. And, uh, and so we've got a few that, uh, a few of the brackets that will be kind of the, the more competitive ones, uh, or, or maybe more interesting brackets. So 65 kilos. Has, has Maple committed? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yesterday on the Bader show, he said he's all in. Oh, let's go. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, right. he's like, that guy, that guy is like, he's very cool to listen to. Listen to that interview if you, interview if you haven't. Um, he, he just, it's like so competitive he always believes he's gonna win but like now he's wrestling with a newfound freedom and um apparently they've been they've been working a lot on like developing skills for kind of the mental side of wrestling and and how to approach competition and how to eliminate right. or not eliminate but deal with fear and and those type of things and he's like man i i never did these things exactly as an athlete and and so he's like reading and studying and, and growing in that way. And he's like, now I had to put it to practice for myself as an actual competitor. And he's like, man, it actually works. And so he didn't get, he didn't wow. give away all the secrets. He said, you have to come to Missouri if you're a top recruit and you know, then you'll find out. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so he'll be the one seed because he won that. Um, uh, the bracket, uh, Pat Lugo will be the eight seed potentially. That's a match we saw. Lugo mm-hmm. was, was Kendrick Maple's toughest match at Mm-mm. world team trials. So that'd be an interesting one. Um, Nick Lee, Matt Kalodzik, you have as the four five. Why did you go? Why did you go? Yanni two, McKenna three, Nick Lee four. What would you, why do you think they're going to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other part of this is, you know, gives us something to talk about as far as how the seating goes. So I chose to do that because Yanni's the returning world team member at the weight. And I think that trumps a loss from the 2021 Olympic trials yeah. last, last April and Nick Lee didn't compete at world team trials. So I don't think, I don't think they'll reward him um, for that win more than they'll reward Yanni for making a world team. Uh, and then Joey McKenna and Nick Lee, they never wrestled. Joey McKenna made the finals of the Olympic trials and he made the finals of the world team trials. So I feel like USA wrestling, whatever seating committee um, will reward that more than taking third at Olympic trials. That was my reasoning behind it. There is a chance that maybe they say, you know, Nick Lee above Yanni, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, I I don't like that given that Yanni made the world team later on. It's like Nick Lee had that opportunity also and chose to forego it. So therefore he should be punished for foregoing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If this is what the bracket looks like, I, I would, I would 
think most people would predict that the top four seeds would make it to the semis. Mm -hmm. And so Kendrick Maple, Nick Lee, that is, that's pretty spicy. I feel like with the, I mean, man, Maple's like down block go behinds baseline defense is so good. I feel, you know, Nick Lee's can obviously try to put the pace on and volume shoot. Uh, I feel like that kind of plays into what Kendrick Maple wants to do. Hmm. Okay. So you would take you'd take Kendrick in that matchup probably. Also, he's a Mizzou coach. So I am going to be significantly biased. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's true. I I for the story like that's what that, I want to see Kendrick Maple come through to Final X for the story, um, and I I do think he has a style that can that can work. I think he's big enough for sixty five kilos, even though he's competed sure. at sixty one. Uh, yeah, that that's a match that I would love to see Nick Lee Kendrick Maple. Mm-hmm. I don't know though. I don't know, man. Nick Lee, N- Nick Lee at the Olympic Trials last year looked almost. I mean, he got beat, but almost unbeatable after he got beat. Um, he looked incredible. So I don't know. That's that's a tough one. Yeah, Nick Lee. He's a guy who we have such a limited data on in the freestyle like realm of things because he mm-hmm. hasn't really wrestled much on the senior level, and so so I think sometimes. And it, sometimes our opinion of guys can be so like, whoa, like, look at what he just did on the, at, in college. He was untouchable. Yeah. And it, like, it reminds me almost of like Brent Metcalf. Like, man, this guy is un- unbeatable. And then, you know, he goes to the world championships and goes 0-1. Or, you know, he has a hard yeah. time making the team. And I don't know. Yeah. Like, I just don't know what to expect from Nick Lee freestyle based off of he had one really great Olympic trials and that was on the that was on the backside after he lost to Jordan Oliver eight to three so it's like what is that what does it even mean you know so yeah what does it mean it's a good question Ben you see Kendrick getting past Nick Lee if they if they meet what do you think about Kendrick Maple and matchups with either McKenna or Yanni Kendrick yeah Maple and Yanni is going to be totally wild um. Yeah, I, I don't know which way to go on that one. I guess I'll just wait and see. Sometimes when I'm not confident, I'm just gonna say, uh, you know, wait, wait and see, so I don't look like an idiot. Hopefully, we'll have like you know, several weeks to talk about that. Or not, I don't know about hopefully, but maybe we'll have several weeks to talk about that matchup if he gets through. Because mm-hmm. the finals is not happening until Final X. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, we've seen McKenna steal a match from Yanni before um, he's, yes. he's done it twice hasn't he um, yep so as a semi-final for for Yanni it's like man you got six minutes anything can happen I don't know if that's the the one you really you really love but um, you probably figured you were going to see McKenna anyway if you're Yanni but that'll be a, a really fun semi-finals for sure it, it is the U.S. Open <laughs> because it's, it's really because of the U.S. Open and the the reward of the number one seed mm-hmm. that we have it this way, right? Because if it was just throw them all in there and seed them how you would, uh, based not based on the, the U.S. Open champ, I don't know where Kendrick Maple sits. He's probably like yep. the f- four. Yeah. Uh, he'd probably yeah. be behind Nick Lee. Um, so then that would set up like Yanni, Kendrick Maple, Semi, mm-hmm. and then Nick Lee, Joey McKenna. So that just really does shake up the entire bracket. And as a result, I mean, like a week ago it was – Hey, it's you know kind of a funny story of a coach who who made a bet and now he's going to wrestle again. To, I think he has a legitimate. This dude shot. might be on the world team. <laughs> he has a legitimate shot. What if what if Kendrick Maple breaks the curse? <laughs> what if Kendrick Maple is the first medalist since that? 
Oh my God, that would be we we need we would owe uh, Keegan O'Toole some some thank yous. Mm-hmm. We gotta yeah. Have, yeah. He gets half breaking of the, the curve. Uh, he gets half of the living the dream fun. <laughs> there you go. Boom. <laughs> yeah. He'll have to start. Well, have to, yeah. He'll start have to start brokering all of our deals. He'll be our. Mm-hmm. He'll be our uh, whatever Ruiz our proxy. Yeah. Whatever lead negotiator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he'll yeah. be our Miami Hurricane. Uh, yeah. Okay. That'd be great. But that mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait. I hope that I hope kind of hope this is how the seeds look. Uh, all right. Seventy kilos. Alec Pantaleo is gonna have the one seed because he won the U.S. Open. So you've got Blockus at the eight, then the four five, Tyler Berger, Zane Rutherford, then the three six, Jordan Oliver, Doug Zapp, then the the two seven, Sammy Sasso, Ryan Deacon. Um, I don't think there there's probably not much of a chance that anybody other than the top four would come through to the semis. Although I, I'm curious about a Tyler Berger, Zane Rutherford match. Um, mm-hmm. Would like to see it. I I lean. Rutherford on that one. Um, yeah, I feel like we're kind of in the same spot that we were last year, minus James Green. I don't really think there's been any huge developments or anything that we would change our mind about. And I think kind of any of the top four could win this for sure. The The matchups are going to matter a lot here. And if this is how the seeds go, Zane Rutherford has has kind of always been Alec Pantaleo's kryptonite. Um, yes. Pantaleo just has not been able to been able to beat him so he's the one seed he looked really good at the open beat jordan oliver he's jordan oliver's kryptonite if they're on the same side it's like you know you lean pantaleo but with zane rutherford at the four mm-hmm. that would that's you know that's a, that's a tough one for for pantaleo yeah yeah and i think these these seeds are like where a 65 is a little speculation these are like very clear because deacon made world team trials finals last year Jordan Oliver beat Zane Rutherford. Um, I think that's the pretty clear one, two, three, four. Um, and I think I, I think you look at this, and maybe the only thing you could throw in there is maybe Deacon doesn't doesn't wrestle, uh, and so then Jo Zane Rutherford would be down at the two, three. Yeah. Um, Ryan Deacon and Jordan Oliver have not wrestled. I would I, I, Deacon. Gets it done in freestyle at this level typically. Um, yeah. Any 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 reason to pick Jo in that match? I mean, Jo, it, it's obviously gonna be competitive because how many times mm-hmm. has Jo got his butt kicked? It's a really really small number. Um, yeah, I mean, Deacon's generally good at getting in the legs and you know maybe not scoring off super clean attacks, but once he gets in, he's able to you know pull it in, suck it up, and score. Uh, I think the only pushback would be can he you know. Can Oliver keep him off the legs to a point where he can't get to him? Yeah, um, yeah, that'll be very interesting to find out. But uh, this bracket seems like anybody from the top four could could potentially come out. I think I would lean Deacon. Ba- I mean, based on the history, probably a Deacon Zane Rutherford final, and and um, I don't know how that match goes either. I I don't know Deacon. Yeah. Deacon's the guy that's gotten it done more at this level, but. Um, well, no, not really. I mean, Zane's been on teams. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't yeah. seem maybe quite Deacon, the same. De- I mean, I think you think that because Deacon has got it done compared to what your expectations of him were. Mm-hmm. Whereas your expectations of Zane were like insanely high because of what he did in the college level. And just at 70 kilos, I think Deacon has had more success than, than Zane at this particular weight class. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That's I crazy. No 
Okay, what else? We got 79 kilos. This is another another one where... Is Shibaki really going to wrestle? I don't know. He said he's going to. I mean, no, he didn't say he's going to wrestle, but he said he's going to what? He's going to beat all these guys at the trial. What did he say on Twitter? I think he just said... He's been like... He's been putting stuff out there like, I'm going to knock them all off. You know, I want them all. Yeah, yeah stuff like that. Man, is he the Pokemon favorite guy. in this bracket? <laughs> might be. Um, yeah, he might. Um, pretty pretty cool for Braden Thompson to be on this list. He had he, he was sixth at the U.S. Open uh, just in high school, so really good performance from him. McFadden, mm-hmm. Thompson, uh, Carter Stracci, Taylor Lujan, Daringer, Marsteller, Makai Lewis, Vincenzo Joseph. <laughs> that we've I mean that was an NCAA final. Vincenzo uh, has has beaten Makai Lewis in freestyle since um since their ncaa finals so mm-hmm. you know you'd probably lean chenzo derringer what about a rematch there uh can chenzo do it again yeah can chenzo do it again and and honestly right so we don't have that one upset and i think we're all saying derringer is the really clear favorite to go wrestle jordan burrows and um now maybe we don't feel like that but i, I don't know I'd still probably lean Deeringer as the favorite, Staraki right behind him, and then Vincenzo, can he do it again? Uh, I, I think we've, uh, we've all probably doubted Vincenzo Joseph a little too much. Yeah, so, yeah, so, for sure. I, I, I'm split on where to lean here. Um, earlier you said maybe Staraci's a favorite, so you think probably a Staraci Marsteller or Marsteller Staraci Deeringer final? I mean, I don't. McFadden's another guy that uh, he's obviously shown huge improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, given his college career, you know, you wouldn't expect him to be being at this level, but he's doing a great job. He seems to be continuing to get better. Um, yeah, it's, I, he, yeah, he, he's a threat too. McFadden was on the Bader show earlier this week and, and he was telling an interesting story. They had, uh, they had a, like a, a PRTC kind of meeting with, with Slay and like the team and Slay was, was talking about potential matchups and stuff. And he was talking to Jordan Burroughs about 79 kilos and final X. And, and he said, he's like, well, Jordan, he's like, Jordan, it's, you know, you probably got to start thinking about preparing for Daringer or Carter Stracci. Like those are, those are a couple guys that are, that are pretty locked, pretty, pretty, you know, likely to come through or whatever. And then McFadden was in the room. Yeah, and then he pulled he pulled McFadden aside afterwards, and he's like, "Did that piss you off?" And McFadden is like, "Yeah." He's like, "It really bothered me." He's like, "Well, do something about it, you know." Go, and, <laughs> oh, that's good. And that's he said that was like a big a big motivation for him going into the U.S. Open. And so when he was like in these super competitive matches with Marsteller, with with um, Vincenzo Joseph, like that's in the back of yeah. his mind. Like I got to do yeah, something about this. Nice. Like if I want to be the guy that's you know that's that's pushing burrows that's got a chance like i've got to do something about it right now and he said that was that was a big big motivating factor for him that's an interesting tactic i love it yeah that's great that's mm-hmm. great but yeah the uh i i sent tyler some carter starachi tweets because i i love them they're they're really good he's uh he's pretty bold on twitter um so nomad tweeted something out about 79 kilograms at the U.S. Open, Starachi says, line, line them all up. One by one, they go down. Okay. Well, he uh, better show up because I'm right? good with talking trash, but only if you're willing to show him back well, up. So and then, shows up. I like the other one, which I didn't know. I didn't know he had surgery. Um, it was but, his uh, hand, right? 
Yeah, this one this one's pretty good. He said, "Daddy's Daddy's back." <laughs> After a long journey of the injury and surgery, I'm fully healed, going 100 miles per hour, full speed. Wow. When adversity, adversity comes, there's still no backstabs. March forward always. And he he's posted another one um, since the uh, U.S. Open. I I want them all, and then also kill kill switch on. So he likes those little uh, those little phrases. Okay. Daddy's back. Daddy's back. Daddy's back. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but I mean, it's it's worth noting. Uh, Luan did beat Starachi at World Team Trials last year, so that's why I had him at the four and Starachi at the five. Um, so, and and like like Nick Lee, we've seen such limited results out of Carter. Um, it it is kind of hard to project how he's going to do, but I think pretty highly of him. What if he shows up to the trials with a singlet that says "Daddy's, Daddy's back"? back. Oh my god. I love it. That'd be great. I think kill kill if I kick him off the team for something like that. <laughs> I mean, he might have an NIL deal in place. He might be fine. He might be, you know, good to go. Um, okay, so interesting one there. And then and then eighty six is the last bracket that that you seeded. Um, Mark Hall's got the one seed because he won at the US Open. Looks like Owen Webster the eight. So Trent Hydley, Aaron Brooks in the four or five spots. It's a match we've seen. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Miles Martin, Parker Keckheisen, the 3-6. Zahid Valencia. Going. You don't think so? I threw him in there just, just for fun. Dang it. Okay. Bummer. So our bracket's completely busted. Well, I mean, if he sees busted this, if he sees this and like, huh, I could get the six seed, maybe he goes. Yeah. Maybe he goes. Maybe he goes. No. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know where to put Aaron Brooks either um, just because he's only been at Olympic trials, and he lost to who did he lose to? Zahid and Pat Downey there. He didn't. I, mean, I don't know if he beat anybody worth noting. So I didn't know if I because you could you could make a case for him at the three. I think that's maybe where he like really yeah. belongs. But then you could also put him at like the five as well. Kekheisen, maybe we need Keegan to make a bet with him about. Oh, there we go. Let's do that. Coming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. I, if this is how the bracket plays out, the top side is is pretty interesting. Just Aaron Brooks, right? What do you, you know? What do we make yeah, of him? Exactly. Um, Aaron mm-hmm. Brooks, Mark Hall. I would love to see that Aaron match. Brooks. That's fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and then you got the. They will wrestle the final here because uh, we got David Taylor sitting in final X. So what does Aaron Brooks, Zahid Valencia match look like in freestyle? I think that's one I would really want to see as well. Yeah. Uh, so the U.S. Open, I mean, it, it really it created some interesting brackets. So it'll be good to follow that stuff. Um, I think that's that's the main stuff that I had. Anything else that we should talk about before we go? We may give people a little extra time back on their Cinco de Mayo. I got nothing. I'm going to go take a pee. I'm gonna maybe, maybe I'll make a breakfast taco for myself to celebrate Cinco de Mayo. I think my wife's off doing something. All the kids are at school. Maybe I'll go uh, throw some discs or something. Throw some discs, eat some tacos, celebrate Cinco de Mayo. Uh, Man, thank you guys for starting your Cinco de Mayo with us. We enjoyed starting with you guys. Next week's a brand new week. Will we be back? Will we... uh, Will we force Christian Piles and J.D. Raider to abscond? J.D. Raider's not coming back, Mako Moko. He, <laughs> yeah. might, he might abscond. <laughs> he may abscond. He, if he absconds, we'll see you next week. Otherwise, you'll see CP and J.D. probably, and Ben, of course, as always. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Enjoy your Cinco de Mayo, and have a good weekend. Yeah.